Good morning, church. Good to see you all this morning. Um, Kevin and Kathy were at the store late last night working, and so Kevin is exhausted. And so he's not here this morning to lead the service, so yet again, you'll be stuck with me. A um, couple of announcements. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. A <laughs> uh, couple of announcements as we get going this morning. Um, first of all, just as we do every week, we'll have fellowship time after uh, the service today, and, and today we'll have cupcakes and ice cream because it's Nora's birthday tomorrow. What's that? And it's Lillian's birthday today, so we'll be celebrating a few birthdays this weekend. So, praise the Lord. Um, Yes, yeah, Lord willing, yes, series having 11, number 11 tomorrow, so praise God. Okay, and graduation's happening this afternoon, yeah. Mm. Um, I also wanted to mention again um, that we're, we're going to try and move, and it's become sort of a slow transition. We're going to try and move our <laughs> We're going to try and move our prayer chain onto a, an app called Signal because at the moment we have like three or four different prayer chain group texts and we can't merge them all because of the way texting works. And so um, if you're on the prayer chain or if you'd like to be um, Talk to me or talk to Miranda about getting that app set up so we can all be on the, the same prayer chain group text. So I'll put that out there. Feel free to, to talk to Miranda or I after the service during the, uh, the fellowship time, and we'll try and make that happen. Um, I think that's it for announcements. Brian? Okay, our cup overfloweth with the bottles and cans Amen. for the youth group. So praise the Lord, and we'll take care of those and get those redeemed. Um, any, anything else this morning? Donna. I just have a quick phrase if I can share. Amen. Friday night, Jane and I and a couple of other friends went to Waterville to the uh, Faith Evangelical Church on KMB. And this is a huge Intermission. You know, intermission teaching you could go get a drink or something or go to the bathroom. Not, we stood up and talked to people we didn't even know because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it was just so elevating for our spirit. Amen. Blast, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord for the fellowship we're able to have, even with, with believers we don't even know. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to begin the service this morning with a, a reading from Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is our God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning because your name is majestic in all the earth, because you are God and there is no other. And so we come to you this morning to worship you our loving God, our faithful God, our gracious God, our powerful God, our holy God. 
And we come to you this morning in the presence of your spirit and in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we ask that you would bless this service with your presence. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. You can open your, your blue book to number 128. I sing the mighty power of God. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word, and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed Where'er I turn my eye If I survey the ground I tread Or gaze upon the sky There's not a plant or flower below But makes thy glories known and clouds arise and tempests blow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care, and everywhere that man can be, thou God art present there. Amen. You may be seated, and at this time I'll have the uh, ushers come forward to take the morning offering. Just a reminder, any of you who are guests, please feel no obligation to give. stand together. We give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be, all that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from Amen. You can stay standing and open up your green book uh, to Psalm 46. That'll be in the back of your book. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, our present help in doubt and pain. Our hearts will never feel dismay, though earth beneath our feet give way, though mountains fall. 
God together. Father, it's so good for us to be together as a church family. And it's so good for us to be able to come to you together in prayer. You're the one who, who knits us all together. You're the one who calls us all here in the first place. And so we come to you this morning, Lord, because we, we believe, as the psalmist wrote, it is good to give thanks to you, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Father, you've made us glad by your work. At the works of your hands, we sing for joy. As we look at the beauty of creation, Lord, we sing for joy at this beautiful world you've made. And even all the more, as we look at the finished work of Jesus Christ, we sing for joy at this work you have done in saving us. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are beyond our comprehension. You, O Lord, are on high forever. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. As we come into your presence, Father, we confess that in our hearts and our minds and in our actions this week, we've sinned and done wrong. Consciously or unconsciously, we've We've done wrong, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We've rebelled against you, and we haven't obeyed your voice by following the way that you've set before us in your word. And so we ask, Father, that you would have mercy on us, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, that you would blot out our transgressions. You'd wash us thoroughly from our sins and cleanse us from our iniquity. Let's take a moment now to silently confess our sins to God, to clear our consciences before him. We praise you, Father, that you do not deal with us according to our sins, nor do you repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your steadfast love towards those who fear you. As far as the east is from the west, so far do you remove our transgressions from us in Jesus Christ. As a father shows compassion to his children, so you show compassion towards those who fear you. We thank you, Father, for the assurance that we can have in Jesus' name that our sins are forgiven 
that our hearts have been cleansed by faith and that we've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for that freedom, for that assurance, for that life that you've given us in him. We come to you this morning, Father, with much to be thankful for and, and many people on our hearts and our minds whom we want to lift up to you, that you would watch over them. Lord, I pray especially for those of us in our congregation who are feeling the weight of grief or of loss or of difficulty or of need in one area or another. And I, I pray especially, Lord, for all those that they might see your love and your kindness even through it all. We know, Lord, that it's oftentimes when we are cast against the rocks and the shoals and the difficulties, where we're able to taste your love and your kindness most sweetly. And I pray, Lord, that that would be the case. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to serve you. What an amazing thing it is, not only that you've saved us from our sin and from ourselves, not only that you've given us new life and every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, but that you've actually called us to be about your work, that you've seen fit, Father, in your grand plan of the universe to use broken vessels, sinful, broken, needy, don't have it together people, to be about the work of building your kingdom and your church in this world. We pray, Lord, that you would impress us with the, with the weight and the glory of that calling. Not only in in direct involvement with the church, Lord, but in every area of our lives, whether we're weeding the garden or talking to a neighbor or making breakfast or punching in at work, that you would impress us with the, the glory of the call that you've given to us, that actually in every area of life we can serve you and work to your glory in the advancement of your kingdom. We pray that you give us a sense of joy in that calling. We pray, Lord, that you'd watch over us the rest of this service, that you would speak to us by your word, that you would be at work here among us, and that you would lead us step by step ever forward on the pathway of life. We long for that day when we will be in that eternal city, in your presence, Lord, in the presence of your angels and in the presence of all your people. We long for that day. We keep that vision in our sights, the light of the new Jerusalem. And we pray, Lord, that you'd, you'd guide our every step as we, as we walk this pilgrim path. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray as our Lord taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together again. You can open your green books to number nine. Speak, O Lord, as we prepare our hearts to go to the word.
You can open your Bibles together with me this morning to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, and we're picking up today the story of Noah. And the passage we'll look at this morning is Genesis 6, verse 9, all the way through Genesis 7, verse 10, almost to the flood. So we're looking this morning at Noah's preparation for the flood, basically. The question I want to ask this morning to, to frame our study in Genesis is this. What does it mean to be a man or a woman of faith? What does it mean to be a man or a woman of faith? People talk all the time about, like, well, I'm a, I'm a person of faith, right? Or sometimes when people will talk about all kinds of religious groups, they'll, they'll sum them up by saying, oh yeah, those are the people of faith. Right? Or sometimes we'll put, we'll put signs on our walls that say faith right? and hope and love. So what, do we, what do we mean by faith? What does it mean to be a person of faith? You don't have to turn there with me, but the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Okay? That's what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, being, being sure, being confident in something we, we haven't yet seen. Okay? It's a sure confidence having not actually seen something. And, and we exercise faith all the time. Probably this morning when you got in your car to come to church, you didn't check to see if your engine was there before you turned the key in your car, right? You ex we exercise a certain amount of faith every, every time we do everyday actions like that. You just trust. Yeah, well, every other time I've turned on my car, usually, it turns on. And so I trust that the engine is there. I haven't seen it, but I believe it. We even have faith in, in people, right, um, to some degree. Um, you know, the people who are most trusted in our lives, you think of a spouse here, right, a, a husband or a wife, and you, you, you go, go away and you're not together all day maybe, and then you come back and, and you trust that they've been doing what they said they would do, right? 
and that they've been faithful to you. And you come back together and you see that that's the case, right? We, have, we trust one another. Or if you ask someone to do something for you, hey, would, would you do this for me? Some people you don't have faith in, right? You say, yeah. <laughs> 40% chance it'll actually happen, right? But other people, you ask someone to do it, you say, I, I, I have faith in that person, right? We even talk that way. I have faith in that person. And so all of us are people of faith on one, on one level. But that's not the, exactly the sort of faith I want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about what does it mean to have Christian faith? What does it look like to have faith in God? And if that's our question this morning, then Noah is just the place to look. In Hebrews 11, the writer of Hebrews, after defining faith, begins to list a whole hall of faithful people of the Old Testament, people who have displayed faith. And in verse 7 of Hebrews 11, he says this, By faith... Noah, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. So Noah, for us, is going to be this morning a, a picture of the life of faith. As we'll read, Noah... Received, words, received God's word. Right? God spoke to him and told him, there's going to be a flood. I'm going to destroy the earth. You build an ark. This is how you'll be saved through it. And what did Noah do? He built the ark. Right? He obeyed, right? He believed God's word, even though he had, this is years before the flood. He believed God's word in building the ark, and he obeyed God's word. And so I want us to see this morning that a life of faith, right, for, to be a man of faith, a, a woman of faith, is simply this, to hear God's word and believe it, and as a result, to obey it. So to hear God's word and to believe it, and then as a result, to obey it. That's what a life of faith looks like. Let's read our passage together. Genesis 6, beginning in verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with, with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. 
Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord God had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives went with him into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would be here among us this morning, that even as we just now have heard your word, that we would believe it and that you would, we would obey it, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word, to understand it, and to believe it, that you would be at work among us this morning, Lord. And I pray that you would be with me, that you would give me the words to speak, that I'd be able to speak with accuracy, and precision and with heart and I pray all these things in Jesus name amen I'm sure all of you have seen um, movie versions of the story of Noah or or you've read the kids storybook versions there's all kinds of people out there retelling the story of Noah and usually there's quite a lot added one of the things that, that strikes me every time I read the scriptural account of Noah is there's not much detail here in terms of Noah's actions. Right? That passage we just read, it's almost entirely God speaking. Okay? It's God's word. And all we're told about Noah is that he was righteous in his generation and that he did what God told him to do. Right? We're not told that really any of the details about what it looked like building the ark or what was his relationship with the other people in the world at the time. This is all sort of left unspoken. All we're given, quite simply, is God speaking and Noah obeying. And so what I want to look at this morning, basically, is what God said to Noah and then Noah's obedience. And we can, we can sort out God's words to Noah here, I think, into sort of two piles. Um, that on the one side, we, we, we can put the word of warning. That God's warning Noah of what he's going to do. He's, he's handing down the judgment, saying, Noah, this is what I'm going to do to the world. And on the other hand, he gives Noah words of hope, of salvation. Right? This is what I'm going to do to the world. Be ready. Here's how you can come through it. Here's how I'm going to save you. Here's how I'm going to bring you through this coming judgment. Okay, so I want to, I want to look at those two things that God is, is saying to Noah. So first of all, God gives Noah the word of judgment. And we saw last week as we were looking at the, the first verses in Genesis 6 that the world was just an absolute mess at this, at this point. We read in, in verse 5 that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his art were only evil continually. Okay, so this, this world has gone mad. Similarly, in verse 11, we read that the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And what God does is he speaks to Noah and he says, this is what I've determined to do. Verse 13, God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. We looked last week at the grief of God over sin, that God's heart was breaking, seeing his creations self-destructing, seeing people ruining this beautiful world that he had made. And so God determines in the time of Noah that he's going to blot out life from the face of the earth. Verse 17, 
He explains how he's going to do this. Behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. He explains even further in Genesis 7, verse 4. And this is now much closer to the time of the flood. He tells Noah, In seven days I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. Can you imagine being Noah in that conversation? Being on the receiving end of this news, no, this is what I've determined. I'm going to blot out life from the face of the earth. Can you imagine Noah's conversation with his wife that night over dinner? I've determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. It's hard for us to imagine the kind of immediacy of this. Kind of the living threat of this impending judgment. And in some ways, Noah's world feels like a world away from us. It's like hard to imagine that sort of thing. But actually, it shouldn't feel too foreign to us. For those of us who have heard the word of God in our generation. In Noah's generation, God promised a flood of judgment. And the flood came. And God promised, I will not judge the earth in the same way again. Promised he'd never flood the world again. That's the rainbow covenant. We'll talk about that next week. Or in a couple weeks. But in our day, God has promised judgment. Actually, Jesus has. Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Christ has promised he is coming again, and he is coming with judgment. Matthew 25 Verses 31 through 46, Jesus paints the scene of the throne of judgment when one day all those who've ever lived will come before the throne of Christ and be sorted out, the unrighteous on one side and the righteous on the other. Verse 46, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. A day of judgment is coming. Christ is coming again. And actually, as in the day of the flood, it will come like a thief in the night. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 42, Jesus gives us the application. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, 
that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. If in reading the story of Noah it feels like a, a world away, then we're actually conceiving of our age in a wrong way. Because as in the days of Noah, Noah was anticipating the, the flood, the judgment of the world, so in our day, we are anticipating the return of Christ and the judgment of the world. That day is coming, and the day of Christ's return, no one knows. And when he comes, it will be like as in the days of Noah, when people will just be going on, doing, going through the motions of their regular life, and then in, in a flash, like a flash flood, Christ will return in glory, Amen. with salvation for those who love him, and with judgment for those who have rejected him and his word. And so as we're thinking about the faith of Noah, the first kind of faith we should be exercising like Noah exercised is faith in God's word of judgment. Faith, life of faith is hearing God's word and believing it and then obeying it. The first thing God told Noah is judgment's coming. And then what did Noah do? Sit on his hands for a few years? No, he acted in accordance with what God had spoken, right? He understood the urgency of the task and he set his hand to the plow. He got to work in light of what was coming. Do we live our lives with an awareness that judgment is coming, that Christ will return? Do we live with that kind of living awareness? Because that's what Jesus calls us to there in Matthew. He calls us to stay awake, be awake. Are we awake to this? Are we awake to the fact that there's people around us who are eating and drinking and doing their normal lives and they have no awareness of what is coming at a day and hour we do not know? That should give us a sense of urgency in terms of the work that God has called us to. That people around us need to know, desperately need to know what is coming. Two words that God gives Noah, a word of warning and a word of hope, a word of salvation. And this is, a, this is an amazing thing really an amazing thing. Noah was a sinner. His family, they're, they're sinners. We're told that they were righteous in their generation. They, um, they're more righteous than everyone else living on the earth at the time. In fact, we're told that, that Noah walked with God. He was like Enoch, right? Remember Enoch in, in Genesis 5, who walked with God, and that's where all we're told about him, but then he was like taken up into heaven. Same phrase is used here of Noah. Noah walked with God. He's more faithful than anyone else in his generation, but still he's a sinner, and yet God had grace on him. That's the word in 6 verse 8. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God had grace on Noah. Noah didn't deserve to be saved from the flood, and yet God saved him anyways, and his family and all the animals. And God gives Noah a word of hope. Right on the heels of, behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 14, make yourself an ark. Make yourself an ark. God lays out, this is, this is the way of salvation. This is the plan of salvation. This is how you can be saved from the judgment to come. Make yourself an ark. Make rooms in it. Cover it with pitch. He lays out the dimensions of it. We're talking like almost one and a half football fields long. 
Um, not quite a football field wide. Um, 30 cubits high, a cubit's a foot and a half. So we're talking like 45 feet high. This is a, this is a massive structure with a roof, the door in the side with three decks. God lays out in explicit detail, this is the way you can be saved from the judgment to come. This is the way through the flood into life after the flood is the ark, Noah. Build the ark. And he promises in verse 18, but I will establish my covenant with you. That not only is God going to be willing to save Noah from the flood, from his wrath, he's also willing to enter into a relationship with Noah. Behold, I will establish my covenant with you, and you will come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you into this protective ark. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark and keep them alive with you. So not only, this would be a pretty big structure just for Noah and his family, right? Um, this, is, this is actually for two of every animal. Two of every animal are, are gonna go into this ark of the birds and animals and, and all of these various creatures. And also the, the, every sort of food that is eaten. Um, so within the walls of this ark are going to be basically the seeds of a new earth. Right? The, the promise of God actually being willing to give humankind and animal kind a second chance on the earth. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it is today. Alongside God's promise of a coming judgment of the return of Christ, he has also given us warm, glowing, expansive promises of salvation from that judgment should we choose to hear and to believe. Not only has God promised a judgment on sin, he's promised us deliverance from that judgment. He's, in other words, he's given us an ark if we would have it. I want you to notice in Genesis 7, after telling Noah, bring two of every animal, this is indicating we're going we're gonna to start from the beginning again and going to repopulate the earth. In, in Genesis 7, the Lord specifies that Noah is supposed to bring more of a few kinds of animals. Go into the ark, you and your household, for I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals. And then in addition to that, verse 3, seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also. So clean animals and birds of the heavens. What's going on here? Let's start with the birds. Um, we're going to see next week that the birds are going to be of special use to Noah after the flood in making sure that the earth is, is going to be livable again. Okay? After the, the, the ark has been beached, the, he sends out the birds as an indication of, of when they can leave the ark. He's going to need a few birds on hand. But also seven pairs of all the clean animals. Why clean animals? What are clean animals, right? Moses doesn't define it for us here, but we know from later in scripture that, that there is, within the old covenant, certain regulations as to which animals were allowed to be eaten, and maybe more importantly, which animals were to be sacrificed. <coughs> that only certain kinds of animals were eligible to be sacrificed. And what we'll see next week is that actually after the flood, Noah made sacrifice. Right? It's the first thing he does after he leaves the, the doors of the ark is he worships the Lord by making a sacrifice. And here, a little bell should ding in our head. Ding, 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 ding. Um, sacrifice. We've talked about that before, right? Think back to Cain and Abel. We talked about the, the essential nature of sacrifice in order to worship God in order to be in relationship with God, that somehow we need something to die for our sin. 
Death is essential if we're going to enter into a living relationship with God. Someone has to die on our behalf. And so what is Noah bringing with him on his ark? Preparations for sacrifice. Seven of all clean animals. He's ready to make a sacrifice to the Lord as a sign of his covenant with the Lord. And it's absolutely fitting that on that ark were these sacrificial animals. And this points us forward to, to our ark, right? The way in which we can be saved from the wrath to come, which is through the perfect sacrifice, not a bull, not a goat, but through Jesus Christ and through his finished work on the cross. That through him, through his death, and through his resurrection, we can actually be delivered from our sin, delivered from God's judgment and made safe in the face of all that is to come. Peter, in 1 Peter, we referenced this last week, but it's worth going to again, makes a connection between the ark and Noah's ark, what's going on here, and Jesus, and how he can deliver us from sin and from the wrath to come. And he, he relates baptism with the ark. He's like, you know how in the ark, which actually if you draw it out, I drew it out this week, the ark's pretty much shaped like a coffin. Um, and I don't know that that's symbolic or not. Um, but it's this coffin-shaped boat that's hurled through the winds and the waves of God's judgment, swallowed up by God's judgment, and then which emerges into new life, right? into salvation. And, and Peter, in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, he says, baptism actually corresponds to this. It's, it's, it's like how Noah was saved through water. We're saved through water too. Um, Paul, in Romans 6, talks about the imagery of baptism, and he says, Baptism, what we're, what we're symbolizing, the sign, it's a sign actually of death. It's like we're being buried in the water, surrounded, submerged. Right? Um, and the waters surround us for a time. And that part of what baptism symbolizes is that there's something that has to die in us. And that there's something that's actually been put to death in Jesus for us. That through Jesus, we're dead to our old selves. We're dead to sin. And now we've been made alive in Christ. Right? Emerging from judge, judgment, through the waters of judgment, through the waters of death, into new life. And Jesus is the one who, who makes it all happen. Right? Because it's Jesus who, on the cross, bore our sin. Right, putting to death our sins, bearing our death in our place so that we can then be raised to new life. And this is the, this is the expansive, the amazing word of God. As in Noah's day, so in our day. As in Noah's day, God sent out the Word of judgment, the earth is coming under judgment. Be warned, and also hope, build an ark, you can be saved. So in our day, God has spoken through Christ, through his apostles, he speaks even now through his word. A day of judgment is coming, and yet God has also laid out the way of salvation. He has made it very clear how we can be saved in Jesus Christ, by faith in him. We can be cleansed, dead to our sins, made new brought through the waters of judgment and into eternal life. Amen. Couple questions. First of all, have you believed this? Do you believe this? Have you heard the word of God and believed it and obeyed it? Have you come to Christ? Have you packed up your things and moved into the ark? Have you made yourself ready? Don't be slow about it if you haven't. 
We do not know the day or the hour. Christ will come. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, either now or then. But then not only have, have you believed it, then I guess follow-up question, do you go on believing it? Do you go on living your life in, in light of all this, right? Living by faith. Noah, Noah had, that's a big job, <laughs> building that ark. I mean, he's got his three sons with him, and hopefully they were good workers, right? And he didn't have to do it all himself, but still, that's four guys and their wives, and the ark's a big thing. That was a long job. That took a long time. That was a lot of times waking up in the morning and going to sleep and not seeing any flood and still building a big boat. Usually the story versions, the movie versions of, of the story of Noah's Ark have some kind of opposition or jeering from people around, like, what do you think you're doing? What do you think you're building? We don't know if that happened. Seems likely he was living in the midst of, a, of an unrighteous generation. Can't imagine Noah wasn't picked on for his ark project. It's like, what are you doing, dude? But Noah's living in the light of things unseen, confident in things not seen, Assured of things hoped for because God's word is sure because God had spoken and so Noah believed it and that was it. The, whole, the rest of his life is lived in light of that. That's the life of faith. Is, is all of our life lived in light of these eternal things? Right? Is everything we do in our home, in our work, is, is, is it all in the light of what is to come? The, the glories of Christ's return? It doesn't mean you're, you should be um, you know, reading your Bible 24-7. Um, we shouldn't all be, go become monks, but it should mean that whatever we do in everything that we're doing, whether we're weeding the garden or punching in at work or doing the laundry, that we do it all for the glory of God, and also that alongside that we have a sense of kingdom urgency. Like, this world's not going to go on forever. Christ is going to return. And to have a sense of urgency, not just for ourselves, it's like, we shouldn't just become saved and then sit back, it's like, well, phew, I'm safe. But to, to have a, a heart for those around us to understand these people are under the judgment of God and they have no idea. And they have no idea that God would be so willing to receive them if they would but come. And, and have we made it one of the central purposes of our lives to pray for and reach out to those we know with the good news of Jesus? How will they hear unless we are sent? And how will they believe unless they hear? A life of faith is lived by hearing the word of God and believing it and by obeying it. And God has spoken. As in the days of Noah, he has spoken today very clearly about what is to come. We know both the, the warning of judgment and also the, the glowing promises of salvation in Jesus. And we would do well to live our lives by these words trusting in him, believing his words, and dedicating our lives to living in light of them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are overwhelmed by your grace and your mercy in making a way for us through, through judgment into life. What love you have that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. 
what love, Father, you've shown to us in sending your very Son to die that we might live. Lord Jesus, you bore the wrath of God. You went through the flood. You bore death in our place, tasting the wrath of God that we might be free. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the freedom and the life we have in your name, the hope we have in the face of all that is to come, in the face of death, in the face of anything that would threaten us. We have a a sure and certain hope in your word. I pray, Father, Lord, that all all here would be ready in that day when Christ returns or when we die and come before you that, that we will have been made ready through Christ. We pray, Lord, for all those whom we know who who are resistant to the word of God, who as clearly as you have spoken refuse to hear And we pray, Lord, that you would soften their hearts, that you would open their ears to hear the word of salvation, and that in Jesus they might find eternal life. Our hearts break for them, Lord, and so we ask, Lord, that your heart would break for them too, and that you would reach out to them and draw them to you. We pray, Lord, that you give us opportunity, that you'd give us boldness, that you give us a sense of urgency in the work that you have called us to. And that we would live each and every one of our days in light of that day, which is to come. That we would glorify you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, and we'll close by singing number 527, I Know Whom I Have Believed. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able I've committed unto him against that day. Could you lower it, Dottie? A couple of steps. Thank you. I know not how this saving faith to me did impart, nor how believing in his word brought peace within my heart. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep which I've committed unto him against that day. Did you lower it a little more, Dottie? I'm sorry about that. Yes. You want a negative number. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith in Him. But I know persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, nor if 
I'll walk the veil with him or meet him in the air. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. As you go from here, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Please join us for coffee and cupcakes and all kinds of goodies out back.